I've always been fascinated by the inner life of living things, whether it's humans, trees, animals, or insects. If you are alive, you have a heartbeat. That means that you have a story. This is Jane. Welcome to the Adult Learning Hub podcast, where we explore the stories and experiences of adult learning professionals in a changing world of work. I'm glad you could join me in today's episode. Cozy up, grab your favorite beverage, and let's get into it. Lately, I actually find myself thinking about when I was a child. And if I go back, I remember that I was quite comfortable exploring my inner life. I enjoyed being alone in my own thoughts, either in my room listening to music or being on my swing set outside in my parents' backyard, observing and listening to the world around me. I also felt naturally energized by being able to express myself creatively when no one was around, either through singing, music, writing, or even pretending to be a teacher, lining up all of my stuffed animals in my room. (laughs) Am I the only one who did that? I don't know. (laughs) Now, I should say that I also enjoyed being around my peers at the same time. I participated in a lot of different extracurricular activities, and I was very active in my community. I participated in a local children's theater. I was in swimming and piano lessons, and I attended summer camps. A number of these things are like Canadian rites of passage in a way. And nowadays, I have close friends who I connect with on a regular basis. However, what I've noticed over the years about what energizes and replenishes me is having solitary time. This is often where I produce my best work. So for example, growing up, one area that I actually always really struggled with was math. I was put in a kind of lower level class in junior high school with other students who I didn't share anything in common with, and I felt really distracted and inadequate about this experience. So my parents, uh, they decided to enroll me in a kind of distance ed math class. And at the time in the 90s in Canada, that meant um, I was doing an assignment and reading on my own and mailing off a kind of workbook to an external assessor. And I would get my results and feedback sent back to me. And I remember really enjoying this experience and feeling totally in control of my own learning. I was away from my classmates. I could focus in a quiet environment in the comfort of my own home. And it was on my terms in a kind of lower socially stimulating environment. And I could work out the math problems for myself. And that's where I really excelled. Later, when I completed my master's in adult education, which was also a kind of distance ed, self-directed program in Canada, which I completed while I was working full-time in China, I also did really well. And I noticed what energized me was, again, being at my home, surrounded by all of this literature and amazing thinkers in adult learning, like Brookfield and Mesero. I created a kind of learning laboratory in my home office in Shanghai, and I immersed myself in this whole other world. I would return to work um, at the time, training and facilitating adults in my workplace uh, during the weekdays, and I felt more empowered, like I had a secret that only I knew. Even when the world around me didn't make sense, I grounded myself in research and re-entered it, having reframed it and come to terms with it. Obviously, there are a number of lenses through which we can view what energizes us and what depletes us, or what brings us joy and what doesn't. 
or what conditions contribute to our learning and which don't. Looking at some of these early observations of myself, uh, what makes the most sense to me is how I've learned to manage my energy. Carl Jung, as you may have heard of him, the Swiss psychiatrist and psychoanalyst, he initially introduced the terms introvert and extrovert. Now, being introverted means it's a person who feels more comfortable focusing on their inner thoughts and ideas rather than on what's happening externally or seeking out external stimulation. They enjoy spending time with just one or two people rather than large groups or crowds. When I was teaching ESL in Japan and China, I was often perceived as one of the most outgoing and enthusiastic teachers. My laugh was known to silence entire rooms. I'm not even joking. <laughs> I was always up for chatting with my learners in between class or going through new concepts with them or putting in that extra effort into my lessons. But man, was I depleted in an evening. And sometimes in my teaching practice, I felt I often had to overcompensate for my inadequacy as an introvert. Early in my career, I felt I needed to entertain my learners or have all the answers or be on the ball all the time. And it was often at my own expense. Even in meetings, I felt the pressure to speak up regularly and often. This might resonate with some of you. It has only been later in my career and once I studied adult education and floated through different contexts, like heading up large-scale learning programs in corporate environments and in the not-for-profit sector, I started to look at my experience through a different lens. And I took into account more seriously how the context I was operating in shaped my practice and taught me to think about myself and my abilities in a particular way. Often, I felt quite fragmented, like I had to somehow leave myself at the door and not address the more personal and social aspects of my formation as an adult education practitioner. Many researchers, they have actually attempted to capture the richness and messiness of how we come to know ourselves in practice. And I think this is especially relevant for us today in adult education. Traditionally, professional learning has been approached from a kind of knowledge as a commodity perspective. So we come to get better at what we do uh, because of information being passed along to us or passed down to us or knowledge being produced or managed in some way. So we attend formal training sessions or get certifications to be upskilled or stay up to date in our particular field. However, I love Clandinen and Connolly's metaphor of professional knowledge landscapes, where they speak of practice knowledge as a mix of personal, ethical, intellectual, and social dimensions. In the Adult Learning Hub community, for example, we talk about subjects like this and shine a light on the sometimes hidden aspects of our work that we often don't get to talk about in public arenas. So, this is what my experience and the literature tells me in hindsight. I could have honed my introvertedness a lot earlier in my career. And now I've come to understand that extroversion in educators is not always where good learning for adults happens. I think sometimes we work from a false model as trainers and facilitators that we always have to be on, or we have to pass down knowledge ourselves 
And I feel this notion is further reinforced nowadays, especially as we're working online and are in front of a web camera or a group of learners on the other side of a screen. We feel even more pressure to perform or appear outgoing or have a particular presence or that something to relay to our learners. Now, there are three strategies that I've learned to hone over the years as an introverted educator of adults, and I wanted to share them with you today in this episode. When I facilitate a training session, I purposefully carve out time for reflection for my learners, time away from the group, allowing participants an opportunity to interact with the material on their own. So this serves two purposes, actually. Now, selfishly, it allows me to replenish and manage my own energy. But it also allows my learners the opportunity to check in with themselves and reflect, which is an important part of the learning process for adults. The second strategy is that I recognize that not everything needs to be done in a live training environment. I've learned to release this control over the course of my career. So what I do is sometimes in advance of a training session, I send articles for learners to read, a video to watch ahead of time, or listen to a podcast, or read a chapter in a book, or do some kind of self-assessment. This puts pressure off of everyone. Learners feel more prepared ahead of time, and half the work is done, even before we set foot into a formal learning situation. The third strategy is that I'm no longer afraid to take the focus off of me as the trainer. I set up activities where learners create something together for an extended period of time or have opportunities where they need to go away and research a topic and report back to me and I give feedback or allow learners to rely on each other for the answer instead of looking to me. This, I believe, is where good learning for adults comes from where we have a better understanding of ourselves first so that we can better understand and approach those whose learning we are tasked with and understand the nuances that exist and that we should be paying attention to. Regardless if you are an introvert or extrovert, we are all operating in a new world of work. We've needed to change our approach to working with adult learners significantly over the last few years so that we can continue to have an impact in our organizations and institutions. If you enjoyed this episode and you want to go into even more depth on these kinds of topics, you can go to the adultlearninghub.com to become a member today. You can gain access to our vibrant, close-knit community of practitioners and a calendar of bite-sized activities and informative member meetups. Come and check it out. You can go to the adultlearninghub.com. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great day and see you next time. Bye.